Dang. Man, I don't know about y'all, but I am very excited about World Mission Summit. I'm like, let's load up the bus right now and go. So exciting. And what, man, Kate and Christopher did a good job saying that. The uh, Christopher's example of the Grand Canyon is so accurate. It is so sweet when you're actually there and able to see the Grand Canyon because it's like it, the pictures just don't, don't do it justice. Like I saw, you know, Planet Earth, all that stuff. But when you see it in person, it's like, dang. And so some of you all have heard of Planet Earth. Earth if you didn't, you know, you didn't have a good geography teacher. Sorry about that. But, man, don't, aren't, don't they stink? Bad geography teachers and bad history teachers, shame on them. Shame on them. Anybody who's wondering why there's a dwarf in the back, it is not a dwarf, it's Heather. We have hardcore technological problems tonight, and Heather is in our stead, hiding in the back, flipping the slides, standing in the gap for us all. Where would we be tonight without Heather? Dead in the ditch. Nowhere. We wouldn't even exist. Antimatter would be created, and we would stop existing. So, yes. Heather rocks, World Mission Summit rocks, Planet Earth rocks, bad teachers don't. That's the... Oh! Man, these guys are full of puns tonight. We're going to have some fun. So I get the privilege of saying a couple things before Katie comes up. We're speaking together. We're talking about a fun little subject. We've been going through Corinthians. You know, some of y'all remember a little bit, you know, we've kind of been off and on. Not off and on, just with spring break, and then we had some sweet missionaries come up, and so that was in the middle of, of it as well. And so we've been going through Corinthians looking at issues that this church was dealing with. Crazy church, crazy problems. Basically, they had issues where the culture outside the church was coming inside the church and affecting the church so much so, much so that the church looked more like the culture around them than they actually did look like a church. And so Paul has to step in and be like, yo, things are crazy here, and we need to fix this. And so he deals with a lot of issues. Thank God for how messed up that church was, because we have this amazing book because of it. And tonight we're going to talk about one issue that he brings up a couple times in this church, which is gender roles. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is some big stuff, you know. So women and the women in society in culture, in the church, in leadership positions. And so that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Fun stuff. Oh, yeah. Put some things in order like he did. Well, actually, we're just going to say, yeah. Anyways, but um, so I'm going to say a couple things. I'm going to do a little bit of the, I'm not going to say the heavy lifting. I'm going to do a little bit of the, a little bit of stuff. And then Kate, Katie's going to do more of the heavy lifting. But I'm just going to say a couple things. One thing that I get to say about this, hey, if it's not already obvious, uh, sorry for anyone who's deceived or misinformed, but I'm not a woman. And so, <laughs> yeah, you know. You lied to me. I know I did. <laughs> but, but I'm not a woman. And so, hey, there's, there, just, just speaking to, to y'all, because most of y'all are like here and there. Didn't forget about you, Heather. But... Look, I don't know what it's like to be a woman in this world. I don't. 
there there are certain things that I just don't understand. Just like a lot of people don't know what it's like to be black in this world, or specifically in this nation. There's certain things that you have to deal with that you shouldn't have to deal with, but you do have to deal with. And no matter how much you articulate it, no one no one outside of being in your shoes is going to completely understand. And so this is a funny subject to talk about because I can't, I can't completely relate with y'all. But I'm going to try to say a couple things about what scripture says, uh, kind of clear some stuff up. And Katie's going to do the woman part that I can't do. And so we should, we should be able to have some fun with this. And, being, and talking a little bit about this woman stuff. It was really cool, like, being able to watch Katie all these years. You know, I met Katie, how long ago was that? It's almost 10 years ago. This, uh, this upcoming December, it would be 10 years since we met. And um, first time, well, that's not when we got married, you know, so <laughs> I remember that. But we met, and, and, you know, I was a sophomore, Katie was a freshman, and meeting her, it was really funny. You know, Katie was smart. Katie was all these things. She was, you know, she was pretty. She was, but she was also very, very proud of being a woman. And she made sure that she showed me and told me what she could do and how she couldn't be stopped by anyone. And... And it was cool because, you know, she always came through. Like, it was like she talked a big game, but then she would always outdo that. And I'd be like, dang, like, this girl is like, a, you know, a little dynamo, you know. Like, she just, like, she, she won't be stopped. Like, she was proud of being a woman. She fought on behalf of, like, girls everywhere. You know, she always stuck up for every girl. And it was, it was a lot of things where Katie, like, had all these feelings regarding just being proud of being a woman and not, being held back in any way. And I got to say this about Katie, and I'm not trying to steal anything away from what she's saying, but it has been really cool to watch her all these years because she, the best way I could articulate this is, uh, and I should have put this as a slide, Sean, but I didn't. So this is a great quote. <laughs> George McDonald, C.S. Lewis's mentor and hero, George McDonald said this, the ability to do whatever you want is riches, but the ability to go without when you can do whatever you want, that's power. The ability to do whatever you want is riches, but the ability to do without even when you have the right to do it, that's real power. When you go to Starbucks, and you can say, you know what, I'm not going to get a Frappuccino, even though you love Frappuccinos, that's power. If you go in there and you have the money and you can't resist not getting a Frappuccino, then that power owns you. To watch Katie all these years, all the things that she could do, she's always been able. I've always seen that about her. But to watch her submit has taught me so much. Not, and I, I don't mean like submit to me. I mean submit in all different ways and how she treats other girls and how she treats me and how she treats whoever she's working with. Katie doesn't have to exercise every right that she has, even though she has rights. And that's, she, man, 
the Katie that I know now doesn't doesn't try to prove to me or anyone what she deserves or what she is entitled to. And it's just been really cool, and I've learned a lot being able to watch that. And so that's like half of what I have to say. But the other half I, I get to say is a little bit about what Paul says about women in the church. And so we got 1 Corinthians 14. And I was like, why not just start with some, like, why not just jump right in? And so Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, which I did not put there, so I'll go ahead and read it up here. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation? Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. For God is not a God of disorder, but a God of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in, the ch in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission. As the law says, if they want to be if they want to inquire about something, they should they should ask their own husbands at home. For it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. Let me just repeat that. If you didn't hear it, verse 34, women should remain silent in churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission, as the law says. This is like. This is like, we're going right to the heart of it. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we forget to read not just what's being said, but also what's going on as the person is saying it and writing it. What is going on here? We already made it clear. Issues outside the church are impacting what's going on inside the church. If you want to go look it up, fun, fun little history fact, the largest church for Aphrodite, wor sorry, the largest temple for Aphrodite worship in that culture or in that time period was in Corinth. Now, what is Aphro who is Aphrodite? Aphrodite is, what'd you say? Beauty and love and sex. Yes. She, uh, oh, it's not a, I'm, no, sex and pleasure. She is also the God of that. Now, the reason I'm emphasizing this is because in order to worship, and, and I got to say some crude stuff in order to make this point clear, but this is just, this is, this is what was going on. When you worship Aphrodite, specifically being a priestess, this is what you did. You know, you, the priestesses would, they would cut their hair and make it really short. They'd dress up as men. They would go near the volcano or not. In near the volcano, but to the volcano, take in the fumes, get, get like have like have like a trip because of the fumes, and then they would engage in sexual relationships with yes, that was that was that was Aphrodite worship. You you came to the temple, and in order to worship Aphrodite, you you ha you had sex with the priestesses, and it was so engaging to them that men wanted to partake in it too. Not, not mean like involved with the priestesses, but become priestesses. And so they would cut their stuff off and they would, they would cut their stuff off. They did something else, I can't remember what it was. But then they became priestesses as well and engaged in this worship of Aphrodite. It was crazy in the temple. It was a lot of yelling. It was very passionate. 
it was very it was a crazy scene a lot of people running around with certain kinds of clothes like well not much clothes at all but the reason I'm emphasizing this is to say that it was to watch the worship of Aphrodite was kind of chaotic and then it was it also creeped into the church and what I mean by that is they the way that they viewed women and the way that women viewed themselves was not right and so because it wasn't right Paul here Paul here has to set some things straight and one thing that he does is he engages in hyperbole and sarcasm in order to make a point he he says and it says it and there's a reason why it's specifically focused on verse 34 he says women should remain silent in churches they are not allowed to speak but must be in submission as the law says he's saying this in order to invoke sarcasm to get this point across in a culture where because the church was trying to fight what was going on in town, misogynistic ideas had crept into the church. And he's going against this. Paul loved to use sarcasm. You look at 2 Corinthians 11.5, you know, where he refers to himself as not one of the super apostles. Like, he, he, sarcasm is really effective when you're trying to make a point. And he's trying to make this point that, look, the law says that women ought to remain silent in the church. So that's what needs to happen. How do we, like, how am I so certain? Or how are other commentators so certain that he's being sarcastic? Because it doesn't say anywhere in the law that women should remain silent in the church. Paul was a Pharisee under Gamaliel. If you go back and look it up, Gamaliel was the foremost Jewish, like, rabbi. Like, the dude was dude was on top of his game. And Paul was under him. Paul had to memorize the entire Old Testament just to become a Pharisee. This dude knew the law. It doesn't say anywhere that women can't speak in the church. In fact, some things that it does say, well, before I say anything about that, it wouldn't make any sense if Paul is saying women should remain silent in the church and not have a place in the church. This would be completely inconsistent with so many other things that he said and believed 40 times he names people by he, he says specific names regarding people who have helped him in his ministry fellow deacons which is a term for minister fellow ministers fellow teachers fellow fellow preachers fellow church leaders 40 people he names in all of his epistles guess how many of those are women 16 16 that's 40 percent this you think this dude doesn't believe in women in the church and them having a role of importance and dignity this wouldn't make sense because of women like Phoebe and women like Lydia Lydia he chose to use Lydia to start the church and not just start it but run the church she was a, she was a well-known woman in Philippi and she 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 was a woman of means she had money and she had a big home and so they were like, this is a great place to start church. And she was the one who headed up the church in Philippi, where we called it Philippi. Freaking West Virginians. <laughs> it's <laughs> Philippi. But she was the one that, who, like, when we read Philippians, it's her leading that church. Just some, just, just some women in scripture that have importance 
or have roles that are honored by God where they are used by God and God gives them dignity. I think we have a, a list up here. We got Miriam. Yeah, we got Miriam, a prophet. Miriam, Moses' brother, says she was a prophet. You look at Deborah. Deborah, women can't speak in the church, but Deborah was the leader of the entire nation of Israel by God's choice. That was God's choice. Deborah was a prophetess, and she was the leader of the entire nation. And she's one of the few judges that it talks about who actually didn't mess up, but actually was a great leader. Esther. Esther was the queen. While the Persians were leading, Esther was the queen, and she helped save all the people, all of her people. And Huldah, I, 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 this woman, I am fascinated by her. In a time where Israel, they didn't have the book of the law, they didn't know they didn't know how to serve God. They, they were cleaning in the temple one day, and they found it. They brought it to the king, who was King Josiah at the time. And then he's like, hold on, what? This is the book of the law that we've heard about for all? Like, we haven't seen this thing in forever. What, what should we do? What, what does it say? And they read through it, and they realized, oh, my gosh. We are not living up to what this book says. And so in order to figure out how the nation should conduct itself and respond to the book of the law, they took the word to Hulda, the prophetess, and she told them what they should, how they should serve God. That was, who, that was who the king sought to get wisdom for how to serve the Lord. And you can tell me that women don't have importance in, in, in scripture and they don't have dignity to lead. Phoebe, in the New Testament, Phoebe was mentioned as a minister, a fellow minister with Paul in Romans. Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla is mentioned many times, not, not behind Aquila, but before his name. And commentators, a lot of them believe that that is because Priscilla, not Aquila, had more of a prominent role in helping to lead with her husband. That she was the actual leader. In fact, I've heard some crazy theories that Priscilla is actually the author of Hebrews. But that can't be proved. But the argument is that she wrote it, and the reason, because it refers to a lot of things that she was connected to, but she didn't put her name because the book wouldn't have been taken as seriously had she put her name as the author of that book. Very interesting. I already mentioned Lydia and Anna. Anna was a widow in the New Testament who, and Katie, you can come down. Anna was a widow, and she when her husband died early on in her life, she basically moved into the temple, fasted all the time, and was a prophet in the temple. And it, when Jesus was born, it was Anna who prophesied over Jesus in the temple about what kind of savior he was going to be. I think, I don't think, I'm almost certain that Paul was engaging in sarcasm and, and hyperbole in order to make a point clear. Women are important in scripture. They're important to God. And Jesus makes it clear all throughout his ministry that women should have dignity and they should have opportunities. And so my goal, and I'm not going to use that last quote, though I wish I could. Actually, I wish I will. Robert Alter says this. And I said this early in the year, so I'm not going to go away into it. I, read, I remember reading in Genesis, and I was really bothered about the polygamy 
that went on. And it always seemed like, man, God, this seems inconsistent with other things that you say in scripture. And then Robert Alter helped me to see this. He talked about how in the Old Testament, polygamy was not embraced and encouraged by the author of Genesis, but actually discouraged. And he says this, and you got to forgive him. He's an arrogant professor who, you know, it's, it's hard to be a professor and not be arrogant. And he said, if you actually realize that Genesis, is, what Genesis is doing, it is subverting, not supporting. It is subverting. It is overturning those ancient patriarch, patriarchal, patriarchal institutions at every spot. And if you don't understand that, you haven't learned how to read. And what he's saying is, look, the author of Genesis is making it clear every time you read. And look at it. Just when you read it, when you read Genesis, go back and look at what it says about every time there was polygamy. Things went bad every time. The author was making it clear that it is not cool to have multiple wives. In fact, God even said, once you have a king, because I know you're probably going to want a king. He said in Deuteronomy 17, 17, check it out if you want. When you have a king, make sure that he doesn't take multiple many wives, lest his heart be turned away. And what does David and Solomon and some of these other kings do? They take up many wives and concubines. That was not God's plan. And so my whole point is when we read in scripture, we need to read and see that though some of the people in the Bible that we revere, some of the heroes that we have in the Bible, though we revere them and they say certain things or treat women a certain way, that is not consistent with God's heart. God makes it clear throughout from the very beginning that he valued women, gave them dignity, and gave them an ability to have importance, lead in church, in society. And so I was just hoping, or my goal tonight, is to kind of prepare the way to help us to look in a clear lens. If the Bible is saying this about women, then what does that mean for us? Cool. Thank you, Jordan Grady. Um, it's a really good thing that God's not okay with polygamy because, well, I'm married to Jordan, in case you didn't know that. Um, and one of, thank you, one of my favorite stories slash memories is when Jordan Goody proposed to me and it's really cool y'all and it's yes to me and um it was on January 7th 2009 which is so crazy in the last six years y'all um I've grown so much grown with him and uh, it's funny because um that day I remember um being a little suspicious because I knew it was coming and I remember that <laughs> He's an RA. Who's the RA's in the house? Jessica here. Yeah. And um and and he was an RA and he didn't trust anything important like a diamond ring to be delivered to the dorms. So he had it delivered to my house. I had three roommates. We lived like a block off campus. And um so he just he just told them. And I was a little suspicious because he kept texting me when I was gonna be home. And uh, but the biggest thing that tipped me off was that we hung out around like five PM or so. And I just remember him being like what are you doing later? And we were both small group leaders, so we had leadership that night at nine. So he was asking me what I was doing between five and nine, and I was with him. And so I was like, um, well, I'm going to Starbucks with my resource before leadership, but I have like a few minutes like bef in between there. And he was like, oh, okay, okay, never mind. And then probably like <laughs> two and a half hours later, he texted me, hey, 
can you meet me on top of the parking garage? And that sounds super lame. I promise it wasn't. Um, it was actually really cool because the summer before he had been an RA at the dorms and he had lived in a big old dorm by himself most of the summer. It was just really cool because I remember he said he prayed a lot that summer for his future wife, which he didn't know as me at the time. And it's awesome because I think that um, even though I was like really suspicious, I s- it didn't stop me from being nervous. Like I went up there and um, he told me some really sweet things and I was like, oh my gosh. And then he got down one knee and he proposed. And I said yes, obviously. And um, this is really cool to think about that. I tell you that for a couple of reasons. First of all, just so you get to know Jordan and I a little bit better. Because some of y'all might see us up here. I've only preached once or twice. But um, you might see us and think um, that we're not as relatable and maybe as um, you would like. But promise you we have lots of feelings and emotions <laughs> and um the second is that you get you get a sense that um when men and women um partner together the way that God designed it um there's like a feeling that you know that it's right um but as we know in society today turn on the news I don't know your parents are divorced um you think about even girls getting along with girls and guys getting along with guys or girls getting along with guys or guys getting along with girls. Um, There's like a brokenness there, right? And so um, we're going to look at one passage of scripture tonight that Genesis 1, 27. I'm going to start with this. We have to start the very beginning of the Bible to think what went wrong, basically. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Okay, y'all catch that? So, okay, God created us in his image, but he didn't just say man, and he didn't just say women. Both genders are needed. Does that make sense? So, personally, it's honestly really hard for me to believe. It's funny, being a woman, right? We, we naturally feel inferior. And, um, but when God created this earth, he never intended for either gender to feel inferior. Does that make sense? And so, in chapter two, oh, it's just not up there. Just kidding. In chapter two, God created the man. He kind of tells the story of what happened. And, and in, in verses, just verse chapter two, 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. He created the man at this point, Adam. I will make a helper suitable for him. Okay. So the first mention of women is called a helper. We're called helpers. And, oops, missed one. That's okay. Anyway, so I will say that um, when I think about, when we think about that, ladies, helper um, in Hebrew, the helper that it's talking about, it's called Ezer, Ezer. I'm not sure how to say it. It's E-Z-E-R. And it's talking about how it's it's referred to as the relationship God has with the Israelites, and basically, it's a very sh- it's a very strong word, and it it means to rescue or basically to save. Okay, and women, we are we are called that. It's it's not something that is inferior to men. Okay, 
So men and women from the beginning of time were created to complement each other. The men had a job, the women had a job, but together we were going to redeem the earth, okay? It says subdue the earth. That was the, the kind of commission we were given. So when we think about it in that light, and we think about complementing, we have two two different roles, okay, right? So um, when Jordan proposed to me, he got down on one knee, right, and he asked me to marry him. Okay, I didn't get down on one knee too. <laughs> uh, I didn't ask him to marry me. That'd be silly. Um, ladies, we get to be ladies, and the gentlemen get to be gentlemen. Does that make sense? <laughs> and it works that way. <laughs> That's how God designed it. And um, the brokenness happened in chapter 3 of Genesis when Adam and Eve chose to eat the only fruit that God said you couldn't eat. And it all fell apart. Pride entered this world, lust, terrible, terrible evil inside of us, every single one of us. <laughs> and what happened? Well, we desired power over each other. That partnership was gone. Okay? Very sad story, but it's not the end of the story. <laughs> um, Jesus came, right? And um, I don't say that lightly. He chose to come and make things right by his action of living here, showing us what it would look like to be friends with God, dying, rising again, and then telling us that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, Jesus is Lord and King, and believe in who he said he was, that we will be saved. And so with that, we think about um, what what could this look like? What could this partnership look like men, women? What could this look like? Does that make sense? And I love the example of a proposal because when I think about being a bride, y'all, I told Jordan, I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I have to be really vulnerable, and I wasn't excited about it this week. I'll tell y'all, this is a really hard week. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be as hard to prepare a sermon with Jordan Goody, but it's specifically a topic, I think, too, because like he said, I like to be strong and... For some reason, ladies, we find that so hard to be vulnerable, right? It's like showing weakness. What does scripture say? Scripture says power, his power is made perfect in our weakness, right? And so there are ways that Jordan Goody has loved me that have helped me become the person I am today. Not just, not in a like, not in a selfish, like I wanted to do this way, but in a like, this was best for me way. <laughs> does that make sense? And so... In a community, this is not just marriage, in a community, we, ha we get to do the same thing, men and women, right? Um, ladies, are the way that we're designed, right, the way that we're able to multitask, these certain things, these giftings we have, that God didn't just give them to us just, just for the fun of it. Like, we're very specific purposes, each of us. Each of us has something to offer, um, not just our Catholic community, but the world, right? And... Um, men, y'all keep listening because this is not for the ladies. Because um, Matthew 20, 25 through 26 says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Okay. Women, we get to serve the men in our life because Jesus asked us to. In Jesus' kingdom, both men and women are asked to serve in different ways. Does that make sense? 
We aren't products made from a factory. We are men and women created by a fair, creative God. Genesis goes on to talk to Adam, who represents all men, and tells him to subdue the ground. God gave the job of cultivating the ground to men. To women, we are called helpers or supporters. Now, remember that pride thing? You might be feeling that right about now, ladies. (laughs) Because for some reason, like I said, well, we know why pride entered the world, but we feel inferior, okay? And a little bit later, we're going to get a chance to lay down some of this, men and women. Um, Because I really liked Matthew 20, 25 through 26, because gentlemen, this is where you get to be gentlemen. I love that. Whenever I get to hang out with little boys or big boys, I call them gentlemen because that's what I hope they would be. <laughs> Not manly men, whatever. Anyways, you can be manly men. Go build something. But anyways, <laughs> but I say, th- I say that to say that that's what I feel like, leather and knives. and Anyways, but it says... <laughs> It says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. So men, I'm going to speak to you for a second. You can't lord over your ladies. Does that make sense? And that's why I say in a community, because this is not just, oh, well, I'm not dating somebody, so this doesn't apply to me. It applies to every single one of us because, well, you know girls, and girls, you know guys. Does that make sense? Um, So let's go back to the thing I said about ladies having a place. And it's really cool, y'all. In college, I majored in music, music education. And I taught for a couple years right out of college and really, really loved it. Had middle schoolers and high schoolers. Oh, my gosh. Um, But they they really were awesome. Um, Such a blessing, and I really do miss some of them um, very, very much. And... um, like, I'll just say, y'all, like, I, like the Lord really has gifted me with um, abilities in music, and um, I had a scholarship on clarinet, I did voice, I did piano, I did saxophone, I did flute, I did all of these instruments, and because of that, um, I don't know if ever y'all have gone into the music building, but there's some people, I think they, like, stand like this, and just, I don't know, it's, it's, some, it's something in the air, but there's just a pride, a pride in that, like, well, I can, you know, yeah, I... Um, I can play, you know, the, the Mozart on the clarinet or I don't know, just, it's just, it's very prideful. And, um, at my lowest points, I made music my identity, that gifting that the Lord gave me, not just as a woman, but as a person, I made that my identity. Does that make sense? And so each of us are given different abilities, but they're not for our glory. They're for the Lord's glory. Does that make sense? So, on the same token, that when we're honoring each other, we get to celebrate. Y'all, Holden is amazing at guitar, and he has an awesome voice. Like, these things, y'all, like, the Lord has gifted him, and, and he shares it with us, you know, and that's, that's a big deal. If you see somebody up here leading worship, go tell them. Be like, you did an awesome job, Lindsay. I can't know where you are, but anyways. <laughs> anyways, I usually sit over here. Tricked me. Anyways, but, um, but yeah, and so she sounded great. Sing in harmony tonight. You know, like, those things, y'all, like, you see something in someone else in your small group, you're like, you did a great job in inviting that person to small group and loving them well. I don't know. Whatever it is, let's bring out those things in each other that we see. And so this is, this is a, a really cool thing, y'all. When we, um, when we praise the Lord, um, it brings so much unity to our, to our community. And unity doesn't mean uniformity, okay? 
unity doesn't mean uniformity. And for me, y'all, that's that's really hard to swallow because I like people looking the same. I like I like what I like, and th- and that's that's not right because I need to like what the Lord likes. Does that make sense? And so. When we think about this, don't <laughs> don't just look in someone else. Be like, oh, well, that's really cool because that's that's what I do too. No, be like Jesus. How can I honor this person? What are the giftings they have that I can honor? Because you see this in them. And this is where this message is for every single person in this room. Um, because when we think about the opposite of glorifying something in someone, um, we look at self, ourself, and we're putting our identity in something other than Jesus. Now, that sounds kind of weird to kind of flip it there. But when I was thinking about identity, y'all, and the times that I put my identity in music, or even the things that I do, what am I doing? I'm glorifying myself, okay, and what I think I have. But when I glorify the Lord, and I put my identity in Him, and I praise Him for the value that He's given me, and the giftings He's given me, that, that makes all the difference in the world. Does that make sense? Um, And so if any of us are putting the reason that we're here in something other than God, that's very, very wrong and very, very sad. But if if you put your value maybe in who you're dating, maybe do that, or being a good child, or maybe getting good grades, or how much money you'll make in the future, or how much money your spouse will make in the future, all of these things, y'all, um, are something we'll have an opportunity to confess. And uh, the band can come back up. So for you, that might have hit you. You might have thought, that's totally me with one of those things. Um, if, if it is you, there's there's an altar up here. And super cool, y'all, to just... Um, this this is representative of the altars in the Old Testament, that basically what they did is um, they were places that people made sacrifices to the Lord because they knew they weren't right, and it was to make them right. And so we're not just saying these things to some arbitrary God who doesn't care. He's going to be right there listening to you when you tell him. <laughs> but along the lines of genders, gender roles. Some of us need to confess some hurts that we have that maybe are because of the opposite gender or maybe they're because of the same gender. And you might be thinking, well, I'm just bitter at one person that hurt me, that girl, that guy, that type of person. But bitterness is like mildew on bread and it will seep into every single crevice of your heart before you realize it, you'll have to throw the whole loaf of bread away, okay? And so um, I want to encourage you, if if that's the case, to to pray with somebody over that, Um, somebody next to you. Can you raise your hand if you're a small group leader? Thank you. You can put it in. You can put it down. Perfect. Good looking group people. Anyways, but I will say that um, pray with somebody. Pray with somebody for that. Tell them what it is. Tell them why it is. Maybe you've never told anybody this. That's a big deal. Um, if you need to find me and Jordan, we'll be be around. Um, but when we say no, no, I'm not gonna say that. If we want a Chi Alpha community that puts our identity in Jesus and glorifies Him, 
though we must be proactive in letting him heal, mend, and make us whole. That means surrender to Jesus' love and forgiveness. Okay. Um, I know, ladies, we have a lot of emotions, so you might even be thinking, I don't even know which thing I need to confess, or I don't know. Trust me, I'm there with you. Um, That's another great reason to talk to somebody, (laughs) because you can kind of talk and realize what it is. And guys, I don't know, maybe all the same thing. I don't know. But but I have to say that that's the other power in, in talking with someone, and scripture tells us to confess and to pray with one another. So don't just let somebody confess something to you and not pray with them. That is, that is wrong. Um, and so when we get to surrender, when we surrender these things, either at this altar or with friends or bring a friend up to the altar, doesn't really matter. Whatever it looks like, when you give Jesus that hatred, that anger, that bitterness, he's going to redeem it. And it may not be quick, and it may not be the way you want it, but I promise you it will happen. Okay? Um, We know that feelings follow actions, and that is very true, but um, it's in God's timing, and it's also, um, I'll say it's kind of, it's a combination of us putting ourselves in a position. If it's a deep hurt or a deep thing that has happened in your life, in your heart, I don't know, abuse, I don't know, um, I don't know what it is you struggle with, Um, but it might take, it might take Christian counseling, it might take um, some form of counseling. So it might take something more than just a one-time confession. Does that make sense? Um, and Jesus uses uses those things. He uses those people. Um, and um, I think that the Lord really wants to do a lot of healing tonight. Um, it's really cool, y'all, because Jordan felt the whole time that this was what it was going to be. This is this was a response. That's what we call it. But um, it's cool. It took me getting over myself <laughs> to, like, see that. Does that make sense? So let's, I don't know, hopefully you follow the example. <laughs> and Jordan uh, listens to the Holy Spirit, so that's a good thing. We're, we're all blessed by that. And um, I'm going to pray for each of us. So, Jesus, we, um, we give you... Um, our hearts, we give you this time. Lord God, I pray for Katie and the worship band as they lead us. You would give them moments with you and um, just a presence. Lord Jesus, we ask that as we as we come before you, Lord, be so gentle with us, please, Jesus. Have mercy on us and be with us as we um, give you the parts of our heart that are dirty, that are unclean, that maybe um, weren't even caused by us, Lord God, but were imposed upon us, Lord it's really, it is right to hate evil, and it's right to remember that we are evil, and it's right to realize that, um, that you're the only one that can redeem it. You're the only one, Jesus, who can do that. And so, Father God, we just ask that as you mend, as you heal, as you make whole, um, Lord Jesus, please help us to have our eyes completely and, and wholly focused on you. Lord God, I know that, um, that it won't be easy but it is simple, and you're, you're so gracious with us. Thank you, Lord God, for um, Katie. Thank you for um, her worship, um, leading, gifting, and um, Jesus, we know that, that this time this time is for you, and it can be for you, Lord God. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>